The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Reverend Heyoon Sue Lim was a pastor from Mississauga, Ontario. He loved missionary work, and he had a huge heart for North Korea specifically. Between 1996 and 2015, Reverend Lim visited North Korea 150 times. He built an orphanage. He built five daycare centers. He built eight senior citizens' homes. He taught English to school teachers. He built farms, and he even built a noodle factory. All of this to bring aid and kindness to the people of North Korea. He dedicated his whole life to the service of others and to the glory of God. Now, many people, myself included, would be terrified to travel to North Korea. But Reverend Lim had been there so many times, he said it was, it was just as safe and just as normal for him as if, as if he was going to the mall. He had a great relationship with their government, and he worked with them on many humanitarian aid projects in the past. One night, while he was in North Korea, six armed soldiers busted down his door, handcuffed, blindfolded him, and threw him in a tiny prison cell. He was under arrest for treason. You see, five years earlier in Texas, he gave a sermon that made its way onto the internet. He said in that sermon that people shouldn't worship the North Korean dictators as gods. He said that God was the only true God. He was sentenced to life in prison, to life in a labor camp. Every day he woke up on his cockroach-infested mattress. The guards gave him six flimsy pieces of white bread for breakfast, and then he began his daily task of digging holes. There were 40 armed guards there at the prison facility, but he was the only prisoner that he ever saw. He was digging holes for an apple orchard every single day, one meter wide by one meter deep. Sometimes they would give him a shovel, but most of the time he just had to use his bare hands, even if the ground had froze. So every day, For two and a half years, he had to deal with crippling isolation, hard labor, sickness, malnutrition, and the daily threat of execution, all for proclaiming that God is the one true God. Then, on August 9th, 2017, just last year, he was digging holes as usual when out of nowhere, a guard ordered him to stop. He had been set free. Unbeknownst to him, the Canadian government had been working on his release for years. His church had been praying, and now the day was finally here. He was free. They put him on a plane and flew him back to Canada. It had been 919 days since he'd been incarcerated. Now, today, it's been about six months since Reverend Lim has been set free. I want you to listen to the words that he uses as he reflects on his own experience of persecution. He says, today, life has returned to normal. I'm 62 years old, my health is okay. I plan to retire from my duties at church and focus on my missionary work in the US. I would return to North Korea if I could. The people there still need so much help, but I'm not sure their government would ever allow it. And I think there's safer ways for me to do my work. 
I still don't understand why I went through what I did, but I believe that God had a reason, that my ordeal had a greater purpose. I see it as a blessing. I'm just not sure exactly what kind yet. So, what is this whole going through extreme persecution thing and then seeing it as a blessing? Like, how does someone get to that conclusion? Experiencing what he experienced for as long as he experienced it and then turning around and saying, yeah, that's a blessing in my life. You see, when it comes to persecution and blessing, I don't see them going hand in hand. I see them as opposites. I look at uh, uh, Reverend Lim's uh, situation and I go, I don't think God was blessing you. I think God had abandoned you. So how does he look at the situation and see it as a blessing? Does God really bless those that are persecuted? We're right in the middle of a series called Blessed. And we're learning what it means to be blessed by God. And now typically we think the healthy, the wealthy, the powerful, and the privileged are the only ones that receive blessing from God. But one day, Jesus was on a mountainside and he was doing some teaching about the blessings of God. And he started to reveal that they're not the only ones that receive God's blessing. He said that God's blessing can be found in the most unlikely places by the most unlikely of people. Listen to the words of Jesus as he taught about the blessings of God. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, like I said, we're, we're wrapping up today a series called Blessed. This is week nine of our series, and we will never show that sermon teaser again, okay? And we'll never talk about the Beatitudes for another 10 years, okay? Because we spent so long diving into the Beatitudes of Jesus. Now, if you've just joined us on week nine, you're thinking, what are the Beatitudes? What does that mean? The word Beatitude simply means blessings, the blessings that Jesus pronounced of God. So one of the most important things we've learned throughout this series, we actually learned in week one of this series, we learned this. The Beatitudes are not a prescription for God's blessing. The Beatitudes are a description of God's blessing. You see, it's easy to fall into the trap of trying to earn our way to heaven. We're trying to earn our favor with God, trying to earn God's blessing. It's easy to fall into the, into the temptation of trying to complete a checklist of good deeds so that God will bless us. But Jesus didn't prescribe for us a list of good deeds for us to do. Oh, just be poor in spirit. Oh, just be meek. Oh, just be merciful. You see, what he was doing is he was describing the type of life that God endorses. He was describing the type of life that God endorses. The Beatitudes are not a prescription for God's blessing. The Beatitudes are a description of God's blessing. We also learned a very important uh, uh, lesson about this word blessed. 
This word blessed doesn't mean happy, okay? Blessed doesn't mean it feels great. Blessed, it goes so much deeper than just happiness. Being blessed by God means being endorsed by God, receiving his thumbs up. Being blessed by God means being aligned with God. You are heading in his direction. And being blessed by God means being in sync with God. Like, like synchronized swimmers are all in sync with one another. When you're blessed by God, you are in sync with God. You are mirroring his actions and his attitudes. So throughout this series, we are seeking not to get you to jump through a bunch of hoops. We're seeking not to pile and load more on you if you want to be blessed by God. Rather, we're seeking to encourage you to stand strong in the midst of your situation, knowing that God will meet you right there where you're at and bring his blessing to you. Today we're concluding this blessed series by talking about persecution. Now persecution is not one of those things that gives you warm fuzzies, okay? We don't have a line of people saying, okay, me next, do me next, yay! Okay, persecution is not one of these things that we talk about a ton. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say, blessed are you, aligned with God are you, in sync with God are you, if you're persecuted? See, I think it's because if you align yourself with God, persecution is a guarantee. If you align yourself with God, persecution is a guarantee. When it comes to persecution, there's three things uh, as a follower of Christ I want you to understand. Um, As your outline says, number one, when it comes to persecution, you can expect it. You can expect it. First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, look what he says. You are blessed. For the spirit of, the glo- spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or a criminal or as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Don't be surprised, follower of Christ, when you are persecuted, you can expect it. See, the fact that you're being persecuted as a follower of Christ, it really truly means you're faithful. It means you're faithful to your commitment. It means you're faithful to to the decision that you've made that you get to bear the name of Christ. It means you're faithful to your calling. Have you ever thought about this? Faithless people don't get persecuted. Faithless people don't get persecuted. Faithless people would just go unnoticed. Craig Groeschel says, don't worry if you're being persecuted for righteousness. The only time that you need to worry is if you're not ever being persecuted at all. So don't worry when you are, worry when you're not. So as a follower of Christ, you can expect it. Now, all of the Beatitudes that we've unpacked week by week throughout this series, they've all gotten one line, okay? They've gotten one verse, But when it comes to persecution, Jesus 
It's like he really wanted to communicate something. He really wanted us to understand this fully, and he added another two verses onto the verse about persecution. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to explain it. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, he says, and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now look at that one little word in there. Falsely. Falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Falsely. You see, people are going to say all kinds of evil against you. You can expect it. But it better be false. You see, we can expect people to make false accusations about us. But those accusations better be false. When they mock you and they call you names and they call you sexist and racist and hypocrite and self-righteous and judgmental, there better not be a shred of truth in their accusations. See, there's nothing we can do about the accusations that will come our way, but we can let them be false. Also, hear me, being persecuted for righteousness is a lot different than being persecuted for being stupid. Can I say that? Being persecuted for righteousness is a lot different than being persecuted for being stupid. You see, if I think I'm being (laughs) all holier than thou, Pastor Simon, and I'm driving my car and I think, oh, I'll just illegally park here (laughs) for just a couple moments, and I get a parking ticket, that's not persecution. That's justice. Okay, so being persecuted for being stupid is different than being persecuted for righteousness. You see, when you're getting trouble for doing something right, that's, that's called persecution. But when you get in trouble for doing something wrong, that's called prosecution, right? There's a difference between persecution, persecution and prosecution. So be sure, as a follower of Christ, you can expect persecution and false accusations to come your way, but you can be sure that they need to be false. Okay, So the first thing to understand when it comes to persecution and you're a follower of Christ is you can expect it. You can expect it. Number two, when it comes to persecution, you can endure it. You can endure it. It may not feel like you can endure it, (laughs) but you can. You can endure it. When it comes to persecution, it's so easy to think like, oh, I can't believe I'm being persecuted again. What am I doing wrong here? But sometimes it's not because you're doing something wrong but because you're doing something right. You see, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. See, when you're persecuted, you're actually in sync with God. Blessed are you. Aligned with God are you, and you can endure it. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think for a moment about the amazing accomplishments that's happened in in our world because people, faithful people, have chosen to endure their persecution. Think of uh, the advancement of the church on a global scale because faithful people have chosen 
to endure their persecution. Just think back to the catacombs. The early Christians that hid in the catacombs from persecution. Think to the underground church movement in China and how the church has flourished in China. Think of the millions and millions of martyrs that have died for their faith over the centuries. Charles Spurgeon was a famous uh, preacher back in the 1800s. He actually had the nickname, the Prince of Preachers. Come on, that's pretty cool. Now, I'm a preacher, okay? So if someone wants to think of a cool, like, sidekick nickname for me, maybe you got to earn it or something. I don't know, but this guy was known as the Prince of Preachers. What a cool nickname. I want to read you something that he wrote um, about the church and persecution. Now, remember, he was the prince of preachers in the 1800s. So his lingo is a little bit old school. Uh, Be warned, what he says is uncomfortably graphic, but incredibly true. I want to see if you can figure out what he's trying to say about when the church endures persecution. He says, never did the church so much prosper and so truly thrive as when she was baptized in the blood. The ship of the church never sailed so gloriously along as when the bloody spray of her martyrs falls on her deck. We must suffer and we must die if we are ever going to conquer this world for Christ. Now, this might be a little on the nose for our 21st century, and I'm not asking anyone to spray their blood, but but these words are absolutely true. We must be willing to endure persecution for the sake of Christ. Look no further than the Apostle Paul himself. He was thrown into prison, and under house arrest or in a cell, he endured it. And in those places, he ended up writing most of the New Testament we have today. Think about it. If Paul was not persecuted, if he wasn't thrown into prison, we wouldn't have these writings that Paul spent his time in prison writing. If Paul decided to shut down, if Paul chose to complain, if he chose not to endure it, we wouldn't have the Bible that we have today. Theologian John Stott put it this way. He says, how did Jesus expect his followers to react under persecution? We're not to retaliate like unbelievers, nor sulk like a child, nor lick our wounds in self-pity like a dog, nor just grin and bear it like a stoic, still less pretend like we enjoy it like a masochist. What then? We are to rejoice as a Christian should and even leap for joy. So why is it that the Christian response to persecution should be to leap for joy? Like where does he get that from, right? Remember, it was Jesus that first said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. (gasps) What's this? Rejoice and be glad, he says. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. James, the brother of Jesus, he said it like this. He said, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. See, don't just be glad. Don't just be okay with it. Don't just grin and bear it. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And this, when he says whenever, he doesn't mean if ever. 
This word whenever doesn't mean like if you ever happen to experience persecution in your life for being a follower of Christ. He means when you will. It is coming. You can expect it. When it comes, consider it pure joy. Now James goes on a few verses later to actually explain why we can consider it pure joy. In James 1 verse 12, he says, God blesses those. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, the crown of life that he's talking about, he's referring to eternal life forever with God in heaven. But we don't have to wait for our eternal reward to start to see the positive effects of enduring persecution here on earth now. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the early Christ followers in Rome. In Romans 5, 2, he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I love that statement. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So when it comes to uh, persecution for a follower of Jesus Christ, number one, you can expect it. Number two, you can endure it. And number three, when it comes to persecution, you can embrace it. You can embrace it. Jesus said, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. See, Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. See, as followers of Christ, we are to be known by our great love for others. How cool would that be, right? If culture at large would see followers of Christ walking out of church and they go, we know those guys are Christians, not because they came out of that church, but because of how great their love is for others. How great their love is for people that don't believe what they believe. <laughs> How great their love is for people that, that come from a different background or different walk of life. How great their love is for others. See, Jesus says this is how people should recognize us. And it's not good enough just to love those that love us because that's, well, frankly, that's pretty easy to do, okay? Loving people that love you. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I love you too. It's, 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 it's not enough just to be kind to people that are kind to us. Again, because that's easy to do. They're kind, we're kind, we're all kind, yay. Jesus says, love your enemies. Love those that hate you. Love those that disagree with you. Love those that have pinned their whole life against you. Love those that persecute you, imprison you, harass you. Love them. And pray for your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. This is what Jesus calls us as Christ followers to live a life of love. As followers of Christ, we must embrace persecution and love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Remember the story I started the, the, the message off with, with uh, Reverend Heyu Su Lim? After being uh, uh, captive for 919 days in a North Korean prison, he still called his experience a blessing. He called his experience a blessing. He endured it and he embraced it. See, that's why he would still go back to North Korea if he could. Where many others would choose to hate, he chooses to love. See, embracing persecution may seem kind of scary, and it is. 
I don't want to lie to you. Embracing persecution, this is a scary thought. But don't push it away. We can embrace persecution. You might get passed over for a, a job promotion in your work because you refused to be shady or to fudge the numbers. You might even lose your job because you've held true to the teachings of Jesus. But you can put your head on your pillow with a clear conscience every night, and that's worth a lot more than money. You might undergo suffering, hardship, oppression, harassment, but you get, you get to be included in the company of the saints. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, blessed are you when people insult you and they persecute you and, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me? He says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And then he says, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. See, when you embrace persecution, you join some pretty elite company for in the same way they persecuted the prophets that went before you. Yeah, this is you and Isaiah. You're hanging out and swapping stories about how you've been marginalized and pushed to, the, pushed to the fringes of society because of your faith in Jesus Christ. It's you and Jeremiah talking, talking about how you were harassed and persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And then together you get to stand before the God of the universe and receive a well done, my good and faithful servant. You get to be in the company of the saints. Now, don't get me wrong, embracing persecution doesn't mean we go out looking for persecution. This is a pretty big distinction that we should understand. Embracing persecution doesn't mean we go out looking for persecution. Do not live your life like you're trying to get people to rain down persecution on you. Don't just make shocking statements so people will throw rocks at you, okay? Don't provoke persecution, but you don't have to be afraid of it either. Don't go and be nosy or be a meddler thinking you're doing the work of Christ. You see, Jesus warns us that we don't have to go looking for persecution, that persecution will find us. Jesus is, is sending out his 12 disciples to be his witnesses. And his last instructions to his disciples before he sends them out is this, Matthew chapter 10. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. He says, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and you will be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. See, it's when we are persecuted for the sake of righteousness that Jesus will stand with us. He will give us the words to say and teach us how to act as he would. You can stand strong in the midst of the most difficult situations of your life. You can stand strong in the midst of suffering and persecution. God has not abandoned you. In the midst of persecution, Jesus sees you. He knows what's going on and he calls you blessed. So when it comes to persecution as a follower of Christ, number one, you can expect it. Number two, you can endure it. And number three, you can embrace it.
First Peter 4 writes, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Uh, I want to do something with you that we don't normally do here during a service. Could we read this together out loud, all together in unison? I want to get this to sync. Let's read this together. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Think about this. The honor is that we get to suffer for Christ and that we get to bear his name. That people would know who we are. We bear his name. Oh, there goes a Christian. (laughs) There goes a Christ follower. Look at him suffer for righteousness, for the sake of Christ. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Every week we try to sum up today's teaching with one simple pithy thought. Here it is. The highest privilege, the highest privilege for a follower of Christ is to suffer for Christ. The highest privilege for a follower of of Christ is to suffer for Christ. I feel a great honor. I feel maybe blessed, so to speak, that I get to conclude this series. Uh, We've journeyed together as a church for the last nine weeks. See, normally, normally when it comes to God's blessings, we think, the healthy, the wealthy, the powerful, and the privileged. We've been saying this for a long time. This is typically who we think are blessed by God. And I, I wanted to be, let it be said before we end this series. If you're here and you're wealthy, you're healthy, you're powerful, like you have some measure of influence or you're privileged in some way, yes, you have been blessed by God. You have been. You didn't get there on your own. You have been blessed by God. But through these beatitudes and through the blessings of Jesus, we're learning that not only are the healthy, the wealthy, the powerful, and the privileged blessed by God, but Jesus is including others, the marginalized. He's including people in the most unlikely circumstances, the most unlikely people into the blessing of God. So if you're here today and you feel not wealthy, not healthy, not powerful, and not privileged, maybe you are those things, but you also feel you know, sad. You feel angry. You feel frustrated. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're poor. You're weak. Jesus says you also can find the blessings of God. Even in your undesirable situation, you can stand strong. You can align yourself with God. He endorses you and he blesses you as well. At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends his whole sermon. So he's, he there, he's there on the mountainside and he's teaching about the blessings of God. That's how he starts his sermon off. That's his, his introduction, so to speak. At the very end of his sermon, he concludes with a story. I find it fitting to conclude our series the same way that Jesus concluded his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, when he concluded his sermon, he said, Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and he puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains came down and the streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down and the streams rose. The wind blew and beat against the house 
and it fell with a great crash. So every one of us here today has a choice. See, you've heard the words spoken. You've heard the teachings of Jesus taught in this series. And you have a choice to either be a wise person that hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice, or you have the choice to be a foolish person that hears the words of Jesus and does nothing about them. Let me give you one final opportunity as we conclude this series to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice. If you're here today and you want to receive God's ultimate blessing of entering a real relationship with the God of the universe, for him to forgive you of your past mistakes and to give you a bright future forever in heaven with him, if that's you, I would be honored to lead you in a prayer right now as we conclude. 